0: I want to talk to you from this thought as we are in the second installment of Happily Ever After, I want to talk to you from one word, choosers, choosers. I want to begin this message by asking you a question. How many of you, when you travel, especially by airplane, you are one of those people, you pack heavy. And so you have to take multiple bags and check-in bags at the airline. How many of you, come on, where are you? All my heavy packers. Yes, yes, yes. And now how many of you, I'm curious, when you, when you travel, you, you pack light and you only, you might be gone for a week, four days, three days, and you're going to have a carry-on bag. Who, 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 where are my carry-on folks, here. You're not going to check in. that's what I'm talking about. Yes, be gone five days, just need two pair of underwear, wash them jokers in the seat. Come on, somebody. Hey, now, thank you, Jesus. Taking one pair of shoes, the one I got on. Hey, I'm not taking any more shoes. All my outfits will go with this, with these shoes. You know what I'm saying? I know, I know how some of you are. and I'm that way too. When I travel and I do a lot of traveling and speaking, and when I travel, I like to travel light. I normally have a carry-on bag when I travel. I do not like to check luggage for three reasons. Number one... A lot of airlines charge you to check your bags. I don't want to pay the fee. A second reason is, when I land at my destination, I don't want to wait another 30 minutes for my bags. I don't like that. And the biggest reason why I just take on a carry-on when I travel is because I don't want to lug around all this luggage. I don't want to have it with me as I roll to the car and then take it out of the car and try to get it all in the airport. And then when I get to my destination, gotta go and get all this luggage in a rent car or a friend or whoever's picking me up. I I do not like to carry all this luggage around. And in marriage, most people don't enter marriage with a carry-on bag. Most people enter into marriage with a lot of bags. They take a lot of baggage into marriage. And the interesting thing is this, when you're in a dating relationship, it's interesting because when you're dating somebody, all you see is the carry-on bags. (laughs) And then when you get to your final destination called marriage, all of a sudden, all the check bags come out. (laughs) And you're like, where did all that come from? I didn't know you had that. Where did that come? What? That's not it. You got all this too? What in the world? Who did I marry? And you never saw all the checked bags. And you get married and you see the emotional baggage and the relational baggage, the family baggage, the financial baggage, the sin baggage. To my singles today, let me say this to you. If you're single, choose to allow God to empty out your bags before you get married. Don't, don't, don't take all of this into a marriage relationship. And then the worst thing that can happen is you take all your bags into a marriage relationship. You never let Jesus empty out your bags. And then the other person brings all their bags into the marriage relationship. And then you get married with all this baggage. And here's what people say. Well, we got marriage problems. No, you don't have marriage problems. You got a personal problem, and your personal problems were brought into a marriage, and so now you got marriage problems, but you had no problem before you got married. And now two people in all this baggage get married, and they call it marriage problems. But really, those problems existed before marriage. Empty out the baggage. If you're, if you're married, I want to encourage you, choose to allow God to empty out your bags, and it will improve your marriage. We all have bags. Some of us have a carry-on, some of us got one suitcase, some of us got two, some of us got all the suitcases. And we have to let God, allow God, choose to allow God to empty out our baggage. In life, there are no winners, there are no losers, just choosers, and you have to choose allow God to empty out your bags. I want us to look at Joshua chapter 24 as a backdrop for where we're headed today in this teaching. And in this portion of scripture, as we pick up reading in verse number 14, Joshua is speaking to the children of Israel, the nation of Israel. They have turned from God. They've got baggage in their life, and he is challenging them to serve the Lord. Notice this in Joshua 24 verse 14. It says, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the God's of your ancestors' worship beyond the Euphrates Euphrates River and in Egypt. In other words, he says, throw away. Get rid of all the baggage. you got all these false gods and these wooden gods. He says, throw all that baggage away. And he says, and serve the Lord, verse 15. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose. Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, I love these words by Joshua, we will serve the Lord. We choose to serve the Lord. For me and my house, he says, I can't can't make your house do anything. I can't choose for your house. I can't choose for their house. I can't choose for friends' house. I can't choose for my neighbor's house. But for me and my house, we're choosing to serve the Lord. It goes on to say in verse 21, but the people said to Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen to serve the Lord. Yes, we are witnesses, they replied. Now then, Joshua said, now then said Joshua, throw away the foreign God's, get rid of all the baggage. You've got a lot of baggage right now. Throw away all of the baggage, the foreign gods that, that, that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God and obey him. We choose to serve the Lord. And you and I need to choose to allow Jesus to empty out our bags so that we can have a God-honoring life, god honoring relationships, God-honoring marriages. Understand, we all have junk in the trunk. All of us do. And we must choose to allow God to transform us into the image of Jesus Christ. We can either choose to do life our way or God's way. We can choose to do marriage our way or God's way. We have to choose. In life, there are no winners. There are no losers, just choosers. And we have to choose to have a better marriage. It's a choice. And today, I want to give you three choices to a better marriage. If you're single today, you're engaged, I want to give you three choices to begin to implement so that when you get married, you will have a marriage that makes it for the long haul and that is happily ever after and honors God. Three choices to a better marriage. Number one is this, choose to love your spouse, to love your spouse. I I want to show you through Scripture what biblical love looks like, what it looks like according to God to love your spouse, what Bible love looks like. And we're going to look at several scriptures. Number one is this, choose to love your spouse. Love is a choice. Love is a choice. Now, our baggage causes us to believe that love's a feeling. That's what our baggage, our baggage, all the baggage we bring into relationships and marriage, we just say, no, love is a feeling. And God says, no, love is a choice. John chapter 13, verse 34 says this, a new command I give you. Love one another. A new command. And for a lot of marriages today, that's a new command. Love each other. Don't hate each other. Don't have strife. Love one another. Notice, that it, notice he doesn't say this, try to love. That's not what he said. No, he says, this is a choice. Love one another. He says, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Biblical love is a choice. Biblical love, agape love, isn't dependent upon your spouse. But you see, what happens is baggage in all of our lives, baggage makes us believe this. We think this, I will love you if. I'll love you when. But listen, biblical love, agape love, God kind of love says, I love you, period. Love's a a choice. You say, well, I love my spouse when they're lovable. Well, they're not going to always be lovable. Come on, sometimes your spouse is lovable, and sometimes they're on your last nerve. Welcome to marriage. But love is a choice. It's not dependent upon your spouse, what they do, how they act, what they say. Love is a choice. Number two is this. Choose to love your spouse. Number two, love is committed. Love is committed. And and baggage makes people uncommitted in marriage. But God says love is committed. Notice this, Romans chapter 12 and verse 10. It says, be devoted, committed to one another In love, honor one another above yourselves. And, boy, this can be easy with brothers and sisters or parents' relationship, your child to parent, and maybe even some coworkers or other extended family members. But how about in the marriage relationship? Be devoted to one another in love. But but baggage makes people lack commitment in marriage. And they start always throwing around the D word. Not donuts, divorce. Lack of commitment. It's, it's just always throwing it around there. Always, I'm going to leave you. I'm leaving this time. I'm leaving for good this time. There's no stability in the relationship. There's no commitment. They're always vacillating. I'm in now. I'm not in now. I'm sure. I'm not sure anymore. They're always vacillating. But biblical love, the God kind of love, is a devoted love. It's a committed love. I'm here through thick and thin. We're going to work this out. You can count on me. I'm not going anywhere. Be devoted. To one another in love. Love is committed. It's a choice. Number two. Number three is this. There's, there's, there's a third area I want us to see about love. Love covers. Love covers. Baggage causes people to throw their spouse under the bus, but love covers. First Peter chapter four and verse eight. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers. Over a multitude of sins. I- I'm gonna say something that's very difficult for, for many people. But I want to help, I want God to help us. Love covers. Don't make a habit of calling your friends, your family, your co-workers, and talking negative about your spouse. Don't 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 make don't don't make that a habit. Don't don't do that. Girl, let me tell you what he did this time. I tell you what, let, let, let me tell you, let, let, let my wife, let me let me just tell you about my wife. Don't don't do it, because here's what happens. Here's what happens in relationships. We call up uncle or mama or big mama or grandpa or susie or lily or Timmy or Tony and. We talk about our spouse, and, ah, and we paint our side of the story, first of all. And there's always two sides. And then we want to tell them all the negative. We don't tell them all the good stuff. We just call up and give them this isolated incident. Now, all of a sudden, the family member, the friend, the co-worker, they have this narrow view of your spouse, and it's all negative because that's the picture that you paint. And all you do is throw your spouse under the bus. My wife and I have made it a covenant to one another, me and Tiffany. We just don't do that. You will never hear me come to you dog it my wife. Just not gonna do it. Now, if Tiffany and I need help, our marriage is great, it's good, but if we fall on hard times, yeah, we will seek counsel from people that can help us, give us godly wisdom, godly advice, but we're not going to throw one another under the bus because love covers, not throws one another under the bus. above all love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins number 4 is this love is action it's action baggage causes people to love only with words but god says love is action notice this in 1 john chapter 3 and verse 18 dear children let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Love your spouse with actions. Serve them. Help them. Help with the children. Help with the grandchildren. Help with housework. Help. Be there. Support. Help. Show them with actions, not just with words. Love your spouse with your schedule and not just with your words. With your schedule. In other words, prioritize your spouse in your schedule. Make them a priority. My wife and I, we've planned it out. We have each other blocked off in our schedules. Sometimes people say, can you get together? No, I got an appointment. I'm busy. It's, it's, it's priority. Schedule your spouse. Don't just tell them you love them with your words. Oh, past Valentine's Day. just happened, past. She knew I love her. I sent her a card. I love you. Hold on till next year. I'll do it again. No. I don't want to wait till next year for you to finally take me on a date when the restaurants are packed and we can't even get in. No, prioritize your spouse. Go go on dates. Prioritize them. My wife and I have a weekly date night. That may not work with your schedule, but I'm saying you got to make your spouse a priority. Prioritize evenings together. Well, it's just you two hanging out. We to, man, we get the kids to bed, or you got teenagers, man, they're in their room, and it's you, it's you two. And you're talking or playing a game or watching your favorite television show. Plan trips together, just you two. It's, it's, it's one of the favorite things my wife and I do. We go on trips without our kids, don't want them to come. <laughs> and it's just us two. We love those trips. It's a priority in our schedule. But in our world, because of baggage, we think love are words. Well, I told you I love you. You know I love you. I wrote you that. I told you that years ago. No, no, love is an action, not just words. Number five is this, love kisses. This is my favorite one. Love kisses. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 14, it says, Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Now, this verse, when Peter wrote this inspired by the Holy Spirit, he wrote it to the church of Jesus Christ. But I think it's a powerful verse for marriage. Let me just clarify something. Because this is written to the church. And when you greet me in the lobby, do not kiss me. I understand that's what they did in their culture. I don't want you to kiss me. A handshake will suffice. Just hear your pastor today. But now Tiffany, when she greets me, Come on, put this verse on our mirror in the bathroom. Greet a brother with a a kiss. This is my favorite one right here. Yes, yes, yes. Let me move on to number six. Love kisses, love kisses, love kisses, love kisses. Number six is this love never fails. In In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, there's a whole a chapter there on verses just on, on, on love, explaining love, describing love, describing what it's not. And it ends by saying this love, verse 8, never fails. God's love never fails. Loving your spouse God's way never fails, but you don't know what they did. You don't know how trifling they are. You don't know how hard headed he is. You don't understand she will never listen. Loving. Your spouse, God's way, never fails. They don't even come to church. He he doesn't even believe. She doesn't even love Jesus. Loving your spouse, God's way, will never fail. Choose to love God's way. There are no winners. There are no losers. Just Choosers. Number two is this. There's, there's a second choice we need to make to have a better marriage. The second choice is choose to develop the fruit of the Spirit. Choose to develop the fruit of the Spirit. Happily ever after, God-honoring marriages are not focused on spouse improvement. They're focused on self-improvement. We learned about this at the marriage conference. We all have baggage. We are all in process. We all need to become more like Jesus. And if we're not careful, we'll spend all of our time focusing on our spouse's improvement instead of focusing on self-improvement. And we have to stop. Let me just say something. Stop trying to be the Holy Spirit. You're not the Holy Spirit. You're not even Holy Spirit Jr. You're not Jesus, and you're not Jesus Jr., You can't change hearts. You can pray for your spouse. You can believe God for your spouse. You can model for your spouse. You can love your spouse, but you cannot change your spouse. And oftentimes in marriages, what hinders marriages from from being whole and healthy and being all God wants them to be is both spouses are playing spouse improvement. You improve instead of self-improvement. And the Bible says this in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22 about talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. If you're new to church, you're you're new to the things of God, you just gave your life to Jesus. When you gave your heart to Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God the Holy Spirit came to live inside of you. He is living inside of you now. He's taking up residence in you. And his job is to change you from the inside out, to transform you. And he has certain fruit certain attributes, certain qualities that the Holy Spirit produces inside of every believer. And here's what the Bible says about the work of the Holy Spirit, the fruit that he produces. Galatians 5 verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, or a word we more commonly use in our society is patience, God, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. That's what the Holy Spirit produces. And he says, against such things, there is no law. People who are led of the Spirit, people who allow the Holy Spirit to develop these fruit, this fruit of the Holy Spirit in their life, when they live by the Spirit, they don't even need the law. They're going to make the wise, God-honoring choices. Here's what I want us to do for the next few moments. Let's all take the fruit test. Take the fruit test. As I go through this list, don't focus on your spouse. That's what you'll be tempted to do. Don't do that. This is not about spouse improvement. It's about self-improvement. And if we will improve, our marriages will be better. He says, first of all, the first fruit of the Spirit is love. Are you developing in the area of love, the point one that I've talked about, are you growing in that? Are you growing in your love, or is your love diminishing? Is your love for your spouse growing, or is it diminishing? Is your love for people growing year by year, or do you find yourself more resentful, a little bit more bitter, a little bit more cantankerous, a little bit more irritable? Or is your love growing? Because the fruit of the Spirit, what the Holy Spirit produces in us is love. That's what he produces. Is it growing, or is it diminishing? He says, the fruit of the Spirit is joy. Are you full of joy, or are you always down in the dumps? Are you negative? Are you a pessimist? Are you always critical of your spouse and picking them apart and nitpicking them? Do you see the glass half full or half empty when it comes to your life, your relationships, your marriage? Do you always see the glass and you're like, well, it's it's half empty, or do you see it as half full? Are you a person that is full of joy, full of life, positive, optimistic? Are you full of hope? That's what the Holy Spirit produces. And I know your spouse probably won't tell you, but if you are one of those spouses that you're always going through life like you're sucking on lemon juice, you're not fun to be around. And here's what people say, well, that's just my personality. That's not your personality. That's your baggage. That's your junk. But the Holy Spirit doesn't produce negativity. He produces joy. Take the fruit test. Take the fruit test. Peace. Peace. Do you have peace in your life? Do you have peace in your marriage? Do you have peace in your relationships? Would, would people categorize your relationships as just chaotic? Come on, we all know people like that. Some of you are like that. Every relationship's in chaos. You can't get along with anybody. You can't keep friends for 10 seconds. I mean, just chaos in that relationship, chaos over here, and chaos with that family member, and chaos with those friends, and chaos with that coworker, and just everywhere, your spouse and kids. Just peace. Are you a drama king, a drama queen? Are you always anxious and worried? Do you have peace with God and with people? The Holy Spirit produces peace. Patience. Patience. Are you patient with your spouse or are you demanding with your spouse? Are you always trying to change your spouse? Do you always have to have things go your way? Are you an angry person, short-fused? Do you always cut off your spouse when they're talking mid-sentence? The Holy Spirit produces patience. Are you patient? Kindness, that's, that's what the Holy Spirit produces, kindness. Are you kind or are you mean and cold? Do you say kind words to your spouse or do you speak mean words to your spouse? Do you send kind messages and email or send a kind text to your spouse? When's the last time you sent a text message to your spouse and said, I love you? When's the last time, sir, you texted your wife and said, baby, I'm tired because you've been running through my mind all day long. Come on, when's the last time? When's the last time you, you said kind words? When, Ma'am, when's the last time? I know that his chest has dropped to his drawers, but when's the last time you sent that brother a text and said, I can't wait for you to get home, you big hunk of burning love? When'd you? When's the last time? When's the last You were kind. To your spouse, are you romantic outside the bedroom? Kind. Are you withholding intimacy from your spouse? That's not kind. Come on, brothers, I'm trying to help you out right now. Yes, that's not kind. The Holy Spirit produces kindness. Goodness is a quality the Holy Spirit produces in the Christian. Are you living your life by biblical morals and values? Are you always justifying your sin. It's amazing how many people just justify. They'll justify lying and cheating and conniving. and They're just just, they live gray. But but the Holy Spirit produces goodness in our lives. Are you becoming more like Jesus? Are you more like Jesus this year than you were last year? Are you honoring God with your life? The Holy Spirit produces goodness, faithfulness, faithfulness. Come on, take the fruit test. don't, Don't let your mind wander. Wonder, you think about yourself. Faithfulness, are you dependable? Can your spouse depend on you? Can your kids depend on you? Can, 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 can your family members and coworkers depend on you? Would those around you describe you as someone who's faithful to God, faithful to your job, faithful to be a good friend, faithful at church, faithful to your spouse, faithful to your kids? Fill in the blank. Come on, this is just you. You take the test. Fill in the blank. Are you faithful or flaky? The Holy Spirit, one of his fruits is not flakiness. He produces faithfulness. Another area he produces in our lives is gentleness. Are you sensitive to your spouse's needs? Gentle. Or are you rude? Do you try to dominate and control your spouse with your words and your actions, control them, manipulate them? That's not gentleness. Are you selfish, mean-spirited, and a bully going to get your way? That's not gentleness. The last one, I'm at the last one now, some of you are glad I'm, I'm on the last one. You're like, whoo, when, when will he get through this list? I can't take no more. My I flunked almost every one of these. My Lord. Do I got the Holy Ghost? Please come in me and work. The last one, self-control. He produces self-control. Do you control your speech? you have control with your anger and your finances, with your lifestyle? Are you a disciplined person. Happily ever after marriages aren't focused on spouse improvement. They're focused on self-improvement. You have to choose to become more like Jesus. Choose. And I'm telling you, if you will develop the fruit, let the Holy Spirit develop this in your life, it will change your marriage to become better. Choose. There are no winners. There are no losers. Just choose chooses. Number three is this. There's there's a third choice to have a better marriage. Number three is choose to forgive. Choose to forgive. Since there are no perfect people, there are no perfect marriages. And since there are no perfect marriages, a lot of forgiveness is required. I'm going to say that again. Since there are no perfect people, but you don't understand, that couple over there, their marriage is awesome. They've been married for so many years, and if we could just be like them, if he could just be like him, if she could be just like her, and yet their marriage may be better, may be more healthy, may be more God honoring, but I want you to understand there are no perfect people. And because there are no perfect people, there are no perfect marriages. And because there are no perfect marriages, forgiveness, a lot of forgiveness is required to have a happily ever after marriage. We all have baggage. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 13 says this, bear with each other. Why does the Bible say that? Because we have baggage. We have issues. Some have one little bag. Some have, I mean, their life's just filled because of trauma and childhood and pain, just baggage. The Scriptures just bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Great marriages are full of forgiveness. I didn't teach I just brought up 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and the love chapter in the Bible. But the Bible obviously has a lot to say about the subject of love. But but I want you to hear in verse number 5 how the Bible describes love, what it is and what it isn't. It says it does not dishonor others. Love is not self-seeking. Love is not easily angered. Love keeps no record of wrongs. And in our society, we love to keep records. We've got birth records, and thank God for records. We've got statistics, and we've got museums and artifacts, and we just records, records, records. But the Bible says when it comes to relationships, when it comes to marriage, love keeps no record of wrongs. In other words, that long list you got, the Bible says, get your eraser and erase it. Quit keeping a list of wrongs with your spouse. Some of you say, well, Pastor, I don't have mine in pencil. Mine's in pen. I'm remembering. And the Bible says, no. Get your pen and scribble out. Scribble out. Love keeps no records of wrongs. And the only way you can have a happily ever after marriage, two imperfect people, is there has to be a whole lot of forgiveness. You have to choose to forgive. And if you will choose, it will have a positive impact upon your marriage there are no winners there are no losers just just choose